Welcome to Play for Keeps, a presentation of Ashland New Plays Festival. This play is the property of the playwright who reserves all rights to its use. This recording is the property of Ashland New Plays Festival, Inc., which reserves all rights to its use. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. The Good Bet by Bob Kleiman. Characters. Mark, early 40s, a university professor in moral philosophy with a bedrock belief that human beings are fundamentally good. Ben, early 40s, an investigator in the intellectual fraud unit of the Commerce Department who views human beings as fundamentally selfish, incapable of pure altruism. Mark's friend since childhood. Sarah, early 40s, Mark's wife, an anthropologist who is currently on leave from her fieldwork in Africa. Evan, mid-30s, a research scientist who has patented a drug to treat a rare but lethal disease. Time, the present. The set in Act 1 consists of the living room and kitchen in Mark and Sarah's home. In Act 2, the more vaguely defined area in the living room has become Ben's hotel room. Every scene in the play begins already in progress. During most scenes that take place in the house, a meal is either being prepared, eaten, or in the process of being cleaned up afterwards. Sarah is the only character who ever addresses the audience directly. Act 1 Sarah stands alone in concentrated light. She appears to be listening intently as if trying to make out a song playing faintly in the background. After a couple of beats, an African song begins to play softly. It becomes a little louder, but only briefly, and as loud as necessary to establish its distinctive, rhythmically powerful sound. It then becomes softer, until it is barely audible, and Sarah begins to speak. I've always been drawn to places that are cut off from a mainland. Tasmania, Sri Lanka, Madagascar. Cultures as isolated and different from each other as they were from mine. I was studying human nature, and as an anthropologist, I thought the more unique each culture was on the surface, the sooner I would discover what they all had in common underneath. Then one night in Madagascar, I was startled awake by loud, unfamiliar music. And even before I opened my eyes, I could feel a stranger in the room with me. The music briefly gets louder again, louder than it has been, then fades to silence as the light on Sarah fades to black. When the lights come up full on Mark and Sarah's house, the stage is empty, but a sporting, animated argument is already underway as Mark and Ben enter. So, this train is going 95 miles an hour when the conductor sees a woman just ahead, tied to the track. He has two choices at this point. Grab the red emergency brake, knowing he'll still only have a 10% chance of stopping in time, or... Pull the green chain and send the train down a different track, knowing the railroad strictly prohibits going down that track for any reason, so there's a 100% chance he'll be fired. Why would the uh, railroad... Because of the 90% chance a notorious gang of bandits will be waiting to ambush... It's an exercise, Ben. Then I asked each student to write what he thought the conductor should do. But, but, but first, I told half of them, imagine you're the conductor. 
So if you switch tracks, it'll be your job you're losing. But if you don't, you'll never know if switching tracks would have saved her. Now you can ask. When did he have time to figure out the odds of stopping in time? Ben, I gave this problem to a room full of 20-year-olds, and you're the only one who had trouble with the instructions so far. Now, you'd think if anyone's going to decide it's not worth losing his job, it would be the student who had to imagine he's the conductor because it's his job he'll be losing, but <laughs> just the opposite. Once they realized the woman on the track was screaming at them... <laughs> There's <laughs> this whole fashionable idea that altruism's just another con, and behind every act of kindness there's a selfish hidden motive. No. The moment we remember, we're the conductor. The only reason your students switched tracks was to get an A. If I'm taking a course on moral philosophy, and my prof wrote a book called The Virtuous Gene, I mean, come on, Mark. If anyone said how bad it would suck to get fired over some lady who, let's face it, must have done something to make people want to tire to a track. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Ben. I'll be right in. Have you ever noticed how all your examples start with someone tied to a track? Or five people are locked in a room and the only one who can save them is a cannibal? No one's just nice to be nice. Here on Earth... Everyone wants something back. What about a soldier you'd never met who's willing to risk his life for you? I know. What's that about? Some corn-fed genetic throwback from bumfuck Nebraska? If he thinks I'd be willing to risk my life for him, it would take the rapture before I'd eat lunch with him. Sarah! Almost done! I know, but this is really important. We need someone impartial who can tell your husband he's an idiot. <laughs> Sarah enters the dining room, carrying plates and silverware. Mark rises quickly to help her. Apparently there's some guy from bumfuck Nebraska, probably never been anywhere outside the greater bumfuck metropolitan area. Do you think he cares about me? Or he just likes killing people, and I'm his excuse? When did you get to be such a fan of soldiers? You're a pacifist. It's funny. I was just wondering the same thing. Why not say firemen? Great choice. I don't think firemen blow up entire villages just to let off steam. If they do, I've certainly never heard it. <laughs> You're such a dick. She exits. The way they rush through flames, a tiny child slung over each shoulder, another between their teeth... What smells so good? Oh, she made that chicken dish you like with the uh, apricots. Apricots? Figs! Since when? It's always been figs! Don't be mad at him. His pointy-headed philosopher brain can only deal with broad categories like orange fruit. Have you ever wondered why you married him instead of someone who really gets you like me? Returning with hors d'oeuvres, she kisses Mark deeply. Whoa. It must have been how much better Mark was at everything else. Don't worry. I totally get why you said that. When I leave, you still have to live with him. What happened with uh, Hillary? Who's Hillary? No idea. The last time you were here, you said you were going out with uh, Hillary. Why uh Hillary? Maybe that was her grandmother's name. No, I mean, why uh Hillary? Was there more than one? Oh, speaking of more than one, remember those identical twins? They sat right there, one on either side, like, like sentries, barely moving, identical, perfect posture. What were their names? I'm not sure, but they definitely each had their own. Tatiana, and uh, it began with an N. Natasha? Natalia. 
Tatiana and Natalia. I'll always remember them as the two that got away. <laughs> How did you manage to tell them apart? I mean, not just from each other. They were identical to every woman you've dated. Blonde, unblemished skin. Jaws in perfect alignment for chewing. Large breasts. Uh, well, they were. I wouldn't call that woman my type. She's everyone's type. Even the guy who wants the girl with the hot brown eyes and full cello scholarship to Bryn Mawr just plop the blonde on his lap, attach electrodes to his dick, and he'll blow out half the lights. In if the you really want to shock me, Ben, ask how Charlotte and Annie are doing in school. Perfect example of how people expect something back. Ben, I love having you over, but in return, I expect you to ask about my children. I don't know about love having you over, and I don't expect it. That's my point. You're the anthropologist. Is wanting sex with identical twins universal, or do you only hear about it in cultures where men tell the truth? So they're identical. Then what? It sounds more redundant than... You mean if Sarah had an identical twin, you wouldn't want to sleep with her too? A better question. What if her twin got into bed and pretended to be Sarah? Just as you're about to come, the real Sarah walks in. Would you apologize? To which one? This is why I never got married. Too many things to consider. Mark's got a new book. Well, I wouldn't call it... <laughs> I have two chapters. It's a whole new take on Job. Oxford Press has already agreed to publish. Tell him. Uh, maybe when I'm a little farther. Although I will say, everything since the idea for this book, I, I've been feeling, and I'm very aware of the difference between a feeling. But I honestly, and you can ask, Sarah, I never say things like this. I honestly think this book, and it's obviously just a book, so how much realistically, but, but there are books that can change how we think, even who we are. Well. Well, now you have to tell him. Everyone thinks the story is how God made Job suffer. Job never abandons his faith, and God rewards him at the end. They forget where Job is screaming at God to explain, but God refuses to speak, and when he finally does, it's basically how no one has a right to complain because he invented crocodiles and begat the drops of dew. Tell him. Okay, but only the two-minute... <laughs> so the question I'll be asking, if God could cause all this suffering just to win a bet, and he's supposed to be perfect, why should we expect any better from people when we're only human? And yet we see moments of amazing compassion and generosity every day because we all came from tribes. We spent the first million years huddled around a fire, trying to keep each other safe. And we still carry that ancient memory. So even today, when someone puts the tribe in danger just to gratify his own desires, we feel a kind of shiver, as if something unnatural. So, if human beings are fundamentally good... Why does saying we're only human always sound like we're really saying fundamentally bad? I think we're afraid that if we face what even the Bible says about God and accept how good we are in comparison, we might start to wonder why we have a God and whether we actually need one. Anyway, that's the general direction so far. Was it basically clear? Very. Good. That's really... <laughs>
Any other reactions? Listen, it's your book. It didn't surprise me if that's what you mean. Well, it's not a thriller. I wasn't trying. <laughs> no, you're. It's fine. I I was just curious. Why? How much philosophy do you think I've read since I don't know ever? Well, you can still have an opinion. Then, if you're really curious, when you say we always expect other people to treat us with compassion, what people? Have you ever asked any actual people? I didn't say people? always. We can also be ruthless and conniving, and and I'm prepared to deal with well, all of that. Well, that's how Ben heard it. So tell him you'll think it over, or we'll never eat. I realize you're all about being positive, but I was surprised how naive. What do you think, Sarah? About what? Human nature. Do you think that guy from Bumfuck has a soul? I don't want to sound prissy, but how many times do you need to say bumfuck? Come on, Sarah, give it up. What do you believe? What do I believe? Turning to us. What did I believe? I remember standing in line once at a bookstore back in college when the person next to me said she was a poetry major. While I was saying how unfair it is that rock stars and athletes get paid so much more than poets, a man behind us said he wouldn't pay two cents to hear a poet, and it's amazing they got paid at all. I said, if you can't see how poetry enriches our lives, you don't deserve to be in a bookstore. When I told my roommate later, she said, "What an asshole!" and we laughed, <laughs> even though neither of us actually liked poetry. I'm not even sure how poems are supposed to change our lives, but I'm still absolutely certain they do. When Mark says people are fundamentally good, I sometimes wonder if it's the same as me and poetry. I haven't seen a ton of evidence for his thing either, but other times I can almost imagine the world he's describing. And I feel safe. Sarah turns back to Ben. I agree with Mark. Tell Ben what's happening at the prison. She goes to the kitchen.、Uh, you remember when I asked the warden to let me teach a class on moral philosophy to his ten worst prisoners? Well, one of them.、Uh, I'd mentioned Ken, the one who set his neighbor on fire for not leashing her dog. Then ran his wife through a chipper for saying he should have asked the neighbor nicely first. When the warden came by to see for himself, there was Ken quoting Voltaire with his team cheering him on while while Team Rousseau. Oh, oh、uh, here, let me serving the salad that Sarah just brought in. Speaking of dark and wholesome places, how are things at the Commerce Department? You'll love this. That guy who was stealing the satellite codes. We just needed proof. He gets these hundred-page reports each day, thousands of pages a week. Out of which maybe one has something I can use to catch his criminal ass. So to make sure I'd never see that page, he'd shred every piece of paper and scatter them into twenty random dumpsters when he left for the day. And since he knew we'd be sifting through each one, he chose dumpsters behind cheap restaurants that didn't even bag, just through rotting food. Oh, incredible! Picture reaching through a ton of garbage when suddenly. Words don't exist to describe the sensation, but if a pile of shit had the ability to vomit, oh! It turns out one of our people was selling any intel we had on the guy to the guy who turned out to be only a front for some Slovenian oligarch whose father was, of course, the Minister of Security. 
who would then launder the money through a chain of Slovenian-Chinese fusion restaurants run by his uncle that got repurposed every night after they closed as a string of fetish bars catering to him. Ben pours everyone more wine as they continue to talk and eat. Oh, one thing I've always admired since we were kids is how you can find the humor in any situation. But? No buts. It's a real gift. Although, one thought I did have, I know these people need to be caught, which you're obviously great at, not to mention this ability to keep things from getting to you, and we both know where that came from. But if you were to count the number of times you've really felt satisfied with the work... Point taken, Mark. Then okay, but just as a guess, how many? You have all these wonderful stories, but the message is always how horrible the people, how stingy or corrupt your bosses are. He gets it. Well, then... Enough said. By the way, this Pinot's fantastic. Where'd you find it? There's a tiny vineyard I discovered. <laughs> I have to special order it. I'll call them tomorrow and have them send you a case. That's okay. This way, if we ever run across it, we can think of you while we drink it that night. If you had a case, you could think of me every night. If Ben wants to give us a gift. I don't know what a bottle goes for, but I'm sure a case must Thanks, cost... Thanks, Ben. That would be great. She's right. Thanks. If anyone wants more salad before what I start... What did you mean by, we both know where that came from? You were saying, I don't let things get to me right after that. Just that uh, some of the things you had to deal with, uh, you couldn't afford right. to let them get. All I'm saying is I can appreciate what you've accomplished even more because I know how far you've come. You think you could help me serve the chicken, You Mark? mean since back when no one thought I'd accomplish anything at all? You know that's not what I'm talking about. How far about. I've come. Do you ever listen to yourself? It was a two-family you... house, Ben. My room was right over yours, so every time your father came home drunk at two... Could I get some help in here, please? Mark follows her into the kitchen. You don't have to say it. You're right. I was planning to wait until he finished talking about how the world is a cesspool before I got into that job idea I was telling you. Well, you're about. still not planning to bring no, that up. No, no, are you kidding? If that's all it took to get him stirred up... Eh, probably not. Mark? Uh, fine, I won't. I I just wish I knew a better way to help him. He's not asking you to help. He wants your respect. What do you mean? I'm always telling him how much I admire him. Yes, for, for what he's overcome, not who he is. You write books and have a family that loves you, and he can't compete with that, so he tries to impress you with a funny story about the Slovenian mob, and when you treat it like some muddled cry for help, can't you see how insulting... Then he says something insulting to get even, which doesn't work either because you're impossible to insult. Sarah puts chicken on a serving tray and picks it up, ready to go in. I'm always telling myself, shut up already, but then I'll remember one last point. And... Realizing that her tray must be starting to feel heavy, he takes it from her. Sorry. But if you're concerned about his feelings, why did you say I'm better at everything than he is? Even as a joke. What's the right response when your husband's friend says you should have married him right in front of your husband? Even as a joke. Well, I'm not sure, but it probably isn't putting your tongue into your husband's mouth. Ben suddenly enters the kitchen. Do you have to pluck the fucking chickens or can we eat? <laughs> Enough with the serious faces. 
Thank God for you guys. He throws his arm around Mark. This is the one place I can act like a total dick, and nobody seems to mind. Lights shift as the actors, now in silhouette, bring in the food. Moody jazz begins to play. The conversation is inaudible, but a more relaxed, wine-infused atmosphere, along with the quick sliding of songs into each other, suggests that dinner is further along. If I had a million dollars, I'd buy an 1869 Chateau Lafitte and drink it with this delectable, <laughs> uh, chewing each bite pensively, pondering the sea from my very huge deck <laughs> of my new, or old, no, my restored <laughs> Italian villa. What would you do with the money? Replace the couch. I keep telling her to get one. I want him to look with me so I don't get something he hates. When have I ever disagreed with something you've liked? Good. Then finding a couch with me should be simple. Except you'll want to go to six different stores and I'll like the first couch we... And she'll be right. If we're going to live with it 20 years and the one we eventually buy will be a hundred times nicer because you're more patient and have better taste, so... Why did you need me to come in the first place? Can you see why we haven't bought a couch? <laughs> tell him shopping isn't immoral. You tell her I know that, and I'm sure I'll enjoy that it's new for about a week. Then I'll start to forget that the old one, or there ever was an old one. <laughs> but you'll enjoy it, which is why you should get exactly... Am I being difficult? I can't always tell. Does Sarah know about that time with the gloves? Summer, we graduated high school. You, me, and Quinn hiked up Mount Washington. What made you think of that? Perfect weather. Low 80s. You said, maybe now, but once the sun goes down, and started ragging at us to bring gloves. Not gloves. The nylon liners for under the gloves. Which, of course, no one but Mark was aware such things even existed. Forget about owned a pair. So crack of dawn... <laughs> We're loading the car, and Quinn's father says, Before you go, this will only take a minute. Anytime Quinn was about to go somewhere, his dad would remember one last thing that would only take a minute. Like draining a marsh. <laughs> Three hours later, we still haven't left, and Mark is yelling he found a store with liners right on our way. And Ben said no. Not when it's 80 degrees and we've already lost half a day. Meanwhile, Quinn's moved on to building a silo. So Mark excuses himself to go do an errand which, you'll find out later, was sneaking off to get more liners at home. I figured instead of arguing... Fast forward to it's nighttime on a mountain in the middle of Maine, where the wind chill is 15 degrees, when Mr. Magician here reaches into his backpack and presto. Presto? I said they were in my knapsack as soon as we got in the car. Ask him why he chose that particular moment to pull them out. He looked really cold. It was 15 fucking degrees. And why did you refuse to wear them? What else could I do? Mount Washington's in New Hampshire. You said Maine. No, I didn't. You said Maine. You heard him say Maine. I don't think... That's the... Why do you have to do this? Do what? Start an idiotic argument, and when I call you on it, pretend you don't know what I mean. That doesn't change the facts. What facts? That you're the only person in the universe who didn't know mountains in New Hampshire get colder at night? What facts are we... Mark makes a gesture to soothe her. I'm fine. I'd have been happy to sit there and watch your fingers fall off, but Mark got you liners because that's what Mark does. 
He was probably hoping you'd get them out of his pack yourself so you wouldn't have to, God forbid, thank him. But you wanted him to physically hand them to you so you could act like he was trying to show you up. Sorry. I didn't realize you were done. I think you pretty much nailed it. The only detail I might disagree... No, forget that. I completely agree. That was over 20 years ago, Ben. Really? It seems like yesterday to me. As Ben starts to pour the remaining wine, Mark puts a hand over his glass. After Sarah similarly declines, Ben casually pours whatever wine is left into his own glass. After draining it with a long, pleasurable sip, he reaches immediately for a new bottle. Where'd you put the corkscrew? Sarah hesitates. Then resigned, she starts to get up, but Ben stands more quickly. I'm on it. Just tell me where. It'll be easier if I... As she starts to walk around him, Ben moves too, blocking her path. As if to say he was only playing, he smiles and untenses. But when she tries again, he moves to block her again. She finally sits. Ben goes to the kitchen. I think the second drawer, next to the sink. Sound of drawers slamming shut. The left of the sink. Loud clanging as Ben rustles around in drawers. Sarah looks at Mark imploringly. Ben, it doesn't make sense to open another... Found it! More slamming, this time of cabinets. I don't see any clean glasses. Where do you keep Just let me do it. She enters the kitchen, gets the glasses, and begins to uncork the bottle. She gestures to Ben that he's crowding her, but he doesn't budge. He suddenly grabs the bottle, startling her but then merely sets it down on the counter, holding it steady and nods for her to finish uncorking it. She does not respond. After several beats, he shrugs and leaves. Still unnerved, she tries to gain control of her breathing. Back at the table, Ben seems distracted and remote. Look, Ben, I don't know what's going on, but you need to stop it. If you want to insult me because you don't think I treat you... (laughs) But don't take it out on her. What if we changed it from twins to triplets? Are you listening to me? We should really be asking. Sarah! You're only in one night, so let's try to... Why is she always hiding in the kitchen? She returns with the wine. If you could play three identical sisters, would you rather be in a dark, twisted thriller where the one we like is actually planning to murder the other two, or a light-hearted romp where people are always confiding in the wrong sister. Triplets are never identical. What? They're never identical. So why don't we stop for an talking? X-rated love story? I'd go with quintuplets, but if each of you was born weighing less than a raisin, we're looking at one, maybe two with serious brain damage. That's enough. And since cards on the table, I'd only be interested in the three that don't. I... As Sarah starts to leave... Uh, Don't leave. We're having fun. Maybe you don't realize how offensive... See, even Mark knows I'm playing. I said stop it, Ben. Why should he when you never do anything? She's got a point there, Mark. What do you think I'm... He's trying to stir the pot like he always... Except tonight, for some reason... He wants to fuck my identical twin? Is stirring the pot? I don't think that's... And, and why would you tell him? Maybe he doesn't realize how offensive... When that's exactly what he's trying to be. I'm afraid she's got you there, Mark. Stop doing that. Do you understand what stop means? The word I do, I just don't buy that you want me to. Did Mark tell you the Federal Bureau of Prisons called him? They want him to design a pilot project based on his program. It's not that big a deal. 
You're just going to stir him. Not that big. It's an incredibly big deal. And he gets calls like that all the time. People admire him. And it's, it's not for bringing liners once. He's always looked out for you. I mean, name one thing that you have ever. Sarah rushes off to the bedroom. Mark follows. For the first time, Ben seems uncertain what to do. Mark returns. Without looking at Ben, he begins to clean up. Unsure how to help, Ben takes in a few dishes. They work in silence. She knew I was joking. You think? I've got to tell you, that thing with her breathing freaked me out. I should have said something sooner, but I'm not always sure. She doesn't like me to hover, so I've been trying... And tonight didn't seem... I mean, you're always difficult when you get here, but she was dishing it back like she always does. I could tell she was angry, but you always make her angry, and she usually seems to enjoy it, if that makes any... But you were cruel tonight. And whatever she's going through, she doesn't need that, so don't let it happen again. Mark stares at him until Ben nods assent. When did she start having these things? The first time was in Madagascar about a year ago. She's afraid to go back. What happened? She says nothing. She just woke up one day and felt afraid. I probably made too big a deal about the liners. Hey, remember that raccoon? Oh, the one that kept... Actually, I forget why it kept trying to get into the tent with us. Quinn fucked up as usual is why. He was afraid if we knew he brought Hershey bars, he'd have to share. So he hid them in his sleeping bag. (laughs) (laughs) Be nice to go back sometime. (laughs) Fucking Quinn. (laughs) You're my only friend. Mark reaches over and gives Ben's knee a squeeze. Sometimes I feel like we're still ten. I'm in the car with my parents and we're about to move to our great new house. They're describing how big the backyard, how much better the school. None of it makes any sense. My life was great already. Why was I getting the move when you... I looked back and you were at the window watching me go. I decided as soon as the car stopped, I'd jump out and run back to get you. But of course, I didn't. Maybe I'm still trying to make up for that. (laughs) Like, if I can help you now, I'll stop seeing you at the window. But even if that explains... It's still no excuse to treat you like you're a grown-up and you're entitled to make your own decisions. What? Sometimes I wonder if you've ever really seen me. It's like you dreamed up a person exactly like you, who got trapped in my body, and that's who you see. I don't know how to answer that, Ben. Look at me, Mark, and really look this time. What if I told you there is someone inside me? And he's a hundred times worse. I wouldn't believe you, so tell me the problem, and I I promise not to help. (laughs) 
It's about work. I didn't say anything. But you're thinking, so try something else already. There must be something else you can do. Since you brought it up, I think there are plenty of things you could do. Like what? It's all I've ever done. I got into one crappy college, and the only reason they took me was that essay on why I was dying to go there, which you wrote. Just because school wasn't a perfect fit. You're going to say that thing that everyone does, uh, how Einstein hated school. Actually, I was, but, but the point is you're smart. You have a unique way of seeing things. In fact, I wasn't going to mention this. We should this. probably get going. Just let me say my idea. That pilot project based on my program... Why couldn't you do something like that? Take everything you've observed about the kind of people who commit these crimes and create a, a profile to identify employees who are, are at risk and get them help before they commit one. It's funny because I've always thought if we had a model to predict what the next generation of fucks is going to steal. We have a great public policy department at my school. If you'd like me to ask people what the best way to get started... Okay, I already did. So so what if I invite them over next time you're in? Very low-key. Nothing anyone would call helping. And tomorrow... As Ben gets his coat. Why don't I pick you up after your meeting? We can talk more about it on our way to the airport. I just need to uh, check on Sarah to see if the pill she took... He is gone briefly, then returns and grabs his own coat. How is she? On cloud nine. They put on their coats and leave. Sarah enters from the bedroom carrying a blanket and pillow. She tosses the two throw pillows from the couch indifferent to where they land. Once under the blanket, she props herself up with the pillow to read. But as the lights fade, she is asleep within seconds. When they come up again, they are dimmer. She is lying in an awkward position, still asleep, and Mark is gently touching her face. Come to bed. It's after two. It's me. Everything's fine. I dropped him off at the hotel and now I'm back. I'm sorry I let him upset you. Mark? It's okay. You're still asleep. Where is he? At the hotel. Tonight's over. You're safe. Sarah winces. Oh? You probably twisted. Here, here, let me. He begins to massage her neck. It only happens when I sleep on this couch. Maybe we should think about getting a new one. <laughs> he indicates the open bottle. After all that, he never had a drop. Are we having the same thought? I need to teach a class on Hegel six hours from now. Still? Who was it that said, Whenever two people waste an excellent bottle of wine, a light goes out somewhere in the world. Mark gets the bottle and looks for two tolerably clean glasses on the table from dinner. Sarah reaches towards him, wiggles her fingers for the bottle. They each take an inelegant slug. Mark resumes massaging her neck. She sighs happily, then takes another slug. I was watching the two of you walk to your car. Your heads were almost touching. Ugh, what's gotten into you? What's gotten into you? You looked really cute together. Like two boys planning to build a treehouse. You sure it's okay to mix all this wine with Xanax? Unless it's dangerous to feel. Do you think it's possible to be 
too turned on. Not if you deal with it right away. Opportunity to knock, but once. When's the last time both girls had sleepovers on the same night? Probably the last time Ben was here. We have the entire house to ourselves. Well, then, carpe the night. How about right here? If we're going to start screwing on couches, I'd rather wait for the new one. He pulls her up and they go to the bedroom. The dim light fades to darkness before slowly changing to morning light. The phone rings. Mark rushes in, wiping the last bit of shaving cream from his face. As he grabs the phone, the lights come up on Ben in an undefined space, holding an overnight bag. We hear ambient airport noise. Listen, I'm catching an earlier flight. What about your meeting? A complete waste of time, so I left. Well, that's too bad. Did you have a chance to give that idea? I don't think public policy is for me, Mark. It was just a thought. I've decided to go with a different option. I didn't know you had one. I was pretty sure already, but I figured I'd run it by you first. Well, then why didn't you... uh... I was going to, but then you started in on that public policy Well, forget public. I I just thought... (laughs) Last night seemed different. Like you were finally ready to let go of all this anger. Remind me. Why would I want to let go of it? We're 43, Ben. Those years are gone, but but if the rest can be better, what's wrong with that? Nothing. For you. I'll be the one who just spent the first 43 wanting to slam my fist through a fucking wall. And now I'm supposed to... What, Mark? Agree I wasted half my life because I was too fucked up to come up with things like public policy, which probably took you all of two seconds. I have to go. Wait. My plane is boarding. Last night you were saying you couldn't leave your job because it's the only thing you know. So when did this other option... Is there really a job? Or are we... Because if you're planning to do something incredibly... They're calling my road. Two more minutes. What if you take the later flight and and I'll meet you at... Forget that. Just stay where you are. I should be there in... Tell Sarah I'm sorry about last night. She's right here. I'll put her on. So you can tell her you're... Don't hang up. We hear the phone click as the lights go black on Ben. A beat. Then the sound of Ben's voice. Please leave your message at the sound of the beep. Beep. Hi, Ben. Mark. Uh, I was hoping uh, when you get this message, would you call me back? Just so I know you're still alive. Are you still alive? Beep. Just checking in. Listen, if if you'd feel more comfortable just sending me an email, I still don't text, but if you think an email, it would just be nice. <laughs> nice. Anyway. Beep. Mark, in case anyone at Commerce wants to make an issue over that incident with your receptionist, all I said was if someone kept asking me to let him speak with his friend, I wouldn't assume he's a terrorist. But you probably hear that from terrorists all the time, so if you can just put your goddamn supervisor... As it hit me that mentioning terrorists while I'm on the phone with the government might not be the wisest... Her supervisor cut in to warn me I should choose my words more carefully because human resources has a list of words that are verbally abusive and goddamn is... I I know, I'm rambling. Just call me. Please. Beep.
This is the last message I'm going to leave. I know I keep saying that, but today, officially, it's been a year. I'm out of ideas, Ben. So call me. Or I'll try you again later. Lights out on Mark. When they come back up, he and Ben are facing each other in the living room. Ben is wearing an expensive suit and holding a shopping bag. Same couch. You've got every right to be angry. You're a grown-up. You don't owe us... If there had been any other way, You're I... You're here now. It's done. Do you remember when Sarah came back from Madagascar? There was a song she kept playing. It was kind of rough and intense. Well, I was in a store. It was coming from a music box, so it sounded more treacly. But it's definitely the song. And there was so much she loved about Africa. But if you think it might upset her... Ben removes a music box from the bag. As he holds it, Mark looks at the box, then at him for a couple of beats. He finally gestures for Ben to give him the box, then puts it on the dining room table. I got you a briefcase, but I wanted to describe it first. Because when you see how gorgeous the leather... You're going to assume it's too expensive when actually... I'm sure it's beautiful, Ben, and I appreciate it. But the one I have is perfectly... It's perfectly fine, I know, except in the sense it really isn't. You mean that one None with the... None of the newer ones have compartments the size It looks like, like the crap people used before linoleum. What are my guys at the prison going to think if I show up with a new briefcase covered in fine Italian leather? I don't know. I can't wait to show this to my fans. <laughs> I was just hoping... Because income-wise, this past year has been very kind to me, and let's face it, I'm never going to have children, but you and Sarah, and the cost of sending two girls to college, which may seem like a long way off, but Charlotte's going to be, is it nine or ten in June? Twelve. Uh, you're probably... I mean Annie. Annie's thirteen, but her birthday's in June, so you... Where are they? I got something for them, too. Over at Friends. They're always at friends. How am I supposed to remember their ages when I never get to see them? To be honest, Ben, I, I thought you found them annoying. Who said that? You. All children are annoying. <laughs> I didn't mean you should evacuate them as a safety precaution whenever I visit. I don't have a single niece or nephew. Your girls are as close as I'll ever get. And I don't just mean college... Barnes, for instance. A father I know just said the price to board them has nearly doubled. He makes his children sleep in a barn? I'm talking about Charlotte's horse. She doesn't have a horse. Since when? She never had a horse. What do you mean she never had a horse? She's actually afraid of horses. The last time I saw her, she spent 20 minutes prattling on about... What the hell did she... Ginger! Sorry, if I had known you believed her... Why did she lie? You're asking me why people lie? Sarah enters from outside. She stares at Ben. Sarah? Nice suit. You should hear the raise he got. Tell Sarah what you've been saying. It can wait till she... No, tell her now. I told Mark 
I'd like to take care of Charlotte and Annie's tuition for college. You do know they're in middle school. He wants to start boarding horses, too. I didn't know you could even ride. What is he talking about? Don't ask me. Whatever happened to the government so cheap they'd hand out free pigeons for Thanksgiving? I haven't worked they... for the government in almost a year. Okay. I don't know why you didn't just say that. The last time I saw you... What are you doing now? Please. I need to say this in some kind of order or it won't make any sense. Fine. Uh, j just give me a second to open some wine. None for me, thanks. Say a company just had a breakthrough in floor wax. Could be worth billions. When they get a tip that someone inside the company has been trying to sell the secret formula to the competition in China. I used to get called in on tips like that all the time at Commerce, but some companies were more afraid their shareholders would get spooked if they found out the feds were involved, so they'd bring in someone private, which is what I do now. So it's basically the same job, only now you can afford to send two girls. I thought economics was bewildering before, but this... Why don't you let him finish telling us? I'm just trying to follow. He, he disappears for 14 months, then suddenly shows up offering all this money. Remember that case when it seemed like everyone, the Slovenian chief of police, his uncle, even someone at Commerce was in on it? I picked a dozen old cases at random, and when I went through the files, I realized something like that had gone down in nearly all of them. And it wasn't just the people on top. Everyone, no matter how much pie he was getting, thought he deserved a bigger slice. I began to wonder if the people who followed the rules were actually the crazy ones, or if they just needed someone to tell them that wanting more is okay. Is anyone else hungry? No. Once I went private, first case I pulled was that floor wax. I started hearing about a guy who spent years on the formula and never even got a bonus. So when I saw him eating alone, I grabbed a seat next to him at lunch. Pretty soon we're having drinks after work, and he's grumbling how his wife collects these little porcelain ferrets. I wouldn't believe how expensive... By his third scotch, he's telling me about the bonus he never got. So I ask him if he'd ever thought about sharing the formula with people who understand the word gratitude. He started doing this. My father worked here 30 years. He vouched for me. Do I look like I'm capable of even considering? And the more he talked, the more we both knew he was. But he hadn't tried. And when I realized no one in the company had, I called the competition in China myself. They said they would never stoop to going after another company's formula, but if the formula came to them. So I took the figure they mentioned back to my guy, who had resolved his moral dilemma by then. And at the end of the day, everyone was happier and richer than when it began. I'm just going to say how that sounded, so you can tell me what I missed. A company hired you to find out if an employee was trying to steal from them. When you realized nobody was, you found someone who would 
and manipulated exactly him. That's not good. Would... So explain it again, because it certainly sounded. See, it... this is why. If I had come here six months ago, and you reacted this way, I'm sure I would have. You just finished telling He's me. He's trying to explain. What do you want me to say? I thought you might enjoy a different job where you don't only see the worst in people, not where you're paid to bring it out in them. It turns out when you take the worst of human nature and stand it next to human nature in general, you can't tell them apart. Even when the guy after the floor wax guy did the same thing, and then the guy after that, and the woman after that, I kept expecting each new one to tell me to fuck myself. But it's been a year, and as far as me bringing it out, all I basically tell them is, "Stop wondering what Jesus would do, because look what happened to him." You don't tell them it's not really stealing. They're just unshackling ideas to let them flow more freely. Doesn't matter how much proof. You just can't admit proof of that what? That people are just as happy lying and stealing as doing what's right. All you've done is trick a few into believing that lying and stealing are right. What do you think, Sarah? Why do children lie if it isn't as natural as telling the truth? Their parents lie. You don't, but Charlotte spent twenty minutes bullshitting me about a fake horse. Even a mouse will lie to another mouse. I don't think mice have the brain capacity. Okay, but some animals lie. I know. I read that somewhere. If you mean to avoid being eaten, that's... you're right. It wasn't mice. The lady was studying baboons. No one would spend three years in the wild living with a family of mice. Why are we even? <laughs> Do you really think he wants to know which animal? I don't know what he wants. You're the one who said he should come. I told you not to, but now he's here and he's trying to explain. So instead of getting angry, I'm not angry at him. This is my fault. If I had really been listening the last time, this was the other option, right? The one you wanted to run by me first. Just to hear what you'd say. You couldn't guess what I'd say. Maybe that's why I never asked. Then why did you call me from the airport the next day and bring it up, Mark? I don't see what you're. Isn't it obvious? He was giving me one last chance to talk him out of it. I didn't want you to talk me out of it. If I'd only been listening, then try listening now. I'm happy, Mark. I feel more alive. My mind is clearer than it's ever. I should have known you'd do this. Do what? What did I act like? The biggest decision of my life was just some reaction to you. What did you expect me to say when you? I don't know, Mark. I finally found something that makes me want to get out of bed in the morning, and I proved it works. There must be something you can say that doesn't sound like I'm just deluding myself. Then. Obviously, I want you to be happy. That's all I've ever. And I'll admit, you certainly sound excited, but you are deluding yourself. What is saying that's supposed to you accomplish? You didn't pick that person with the floor wax by pulling his name out of a hat. You found someone with a gripe who needed money, drank too much, and until you went over, had no one to sit with at lunch. I can understand why you'd choose people so close to the edge already. A, A slight breeze will make them fall, but don't act like you proved anything when they do. How about your guys from the Psychopath Hall of Fame? What do they prove? Except they're smart enough to know dropping names like Voltaire at their next parole hearing will probably go over better than just saying "fuck" over and over like they usually do. The difference do. is, I try to bring out the best in people, and you try to bring out the worst. No, 
The difference is I succeed. This is what the money... He wants to show how easy it is to bring out the worst in us. You don't even care about money. Why would I... You know what? Forget the money. The only reason I thought of it... I was angry, Mark. That's why I didn't call. But once my mind got clear, I started remembering things. Like that time I called you from the police station. You were in the middle of exams, but you drove straight down, helped me find a lawyer when my own parents... And that's just one example. Did I ever say thanks? You didn't have to. Well, I should have. And now that I'm doing better, I'd like to help you for once. Is it so hard seeing me do well? You can't let me help? No, that's not... No, the problem is how you made the money. So, if I made a ton of money handing out little boxes of juice for UNICEF, you'd take it? There's a reason you can't make a ton of money handing out juice for UNICEF. Maybe you don't care about money. But what about Sarah? We're doing perfectly fine as far as... Then buy her a fucking couch! Sorry. This is hard, Ben. He didn't know if you were alive. Just because you feel it's time. I know. I just... You're right. I was thinking, there's a convention on new biotech products here in town next weekend. So I thought instead of flying back again, maybe we could spend a little... I don't mean stay here. Sarah's right. We should take it slow. Mark? You're a grown-up, Ben. I can't tell you how to live your life. Does that mean I can still come over? Ben. Now let's talk about something important. <laughs> How's your book coming along? Oh, I almost forgot. You're hungry. Grab your coats, everyone. I was planning to take you out to dinner, but in deference to Mark's concern about the money, he can treat me. Kidding! <laughs> As they exit, the lights dim, and the song from Ben's music box begins to play. When they come up again, Mark and Sarah are next to the music box listening. While it is the same song we heard during Sarah's opening speech, this version is so lame that Sarah and Mark finally burst out laughing. Sarah shuts the lid. <laughs> Still, it was sweet of him. It's strange. I find what he's doing so astoundingly wrong... And the fact that he doesn't see it. But once we dropped the subject, when I was describing the faculty search, I thought, why am I describing a faculty search? It, it even sounds boring to me. Then I realized what's different. He listens now. He really does seem different. You're right. I didn't have to be so cold. I could see he was trying to make amends, but as soon as he offered... And I think his point about me was fair. Anytime someone needs help, I'm there. But the moment they try to do something nice for me... Remember when I didn't want him to send us that case of wine? I didn't think he should spend all that money, but... Maybe I just have an issue with someone spending money on me. No, this is good. 
I'm going to call him tomorrow and say yes. You look surprised. Blown away is more. You're really okay with taking it. I've probably had that briefcase for twenty years, just because the clasps still work. <laughs> oh, sorry, you weren't back yet. He he bought me a briefcase. The reason he didn't bring it. What are it... you talking about? I told him I didn't want it, but if that's the only way he can show I me. I meant the money. Oh. Why shouldn't we? Why shouldn't we? He's not selling secrets to Iran. I thought the principle was you don't sell them to anyone. I don't believe in any principle that can't tell the difference between Iran and who gets to sell more floor wax.、Uh, the, It's a gift. The briefcase is a gift. It's not like he'll give it to charity if we turn it down, and he obviously doesn't need it.、And、neither do we. That isn't, strictly speaking, true. And. I supposed to know what that means? You're busy, Mark. I try not to. How serious is it? Serious. I know you deal with most of the day to day, but that doesn't mean we've been over this. If something's worrying you, I want to know. But unless you tell me, our insurance just went up twelve percent. For example. Okay. Has it already been a year? It seems like you were just. This is me. medical, not auto. Auto is in March, medical in May, just like every year. Well, there must be a decent plan that isn't as. Remember,、expensive. I did that spreadsheet comparing plans in December. I, I left it on your desk. Right.、Uh, you said we couldn't change plans until May. Did you ever look at it? Why would I look at a stack of charts? I'll forget two days later in December if we couldn't change until May. It's May. So I'll look. I bet you can't even find it under、Can、all the. Can we slow down? I, I still don't. You've never used the word "serious" to describe. Because I've always found a way to work things out by the end of the month. Work things out. Like I've been doing since the girls were born. As in making sure all our bills get paid. Yes, as in making sure. What's so confusing? You just said we've paid every bill on time for the past twelve years. Do you know how much money we have in their college accounts? <sighs> Not enough. You don't think that bothers me too? Or when Sally's family invited Annie to go with them to London again and. She understood we can't afford to reciprocate, but she still felt she'd be too uncomfortable.、Uh, you were in Africa. What was I going to do? Send you an email explaining why she didn't go, so you could feel terrible too. Now that you're home and they see you right after school, you hear the same things I did. So I understand how stressful. What I don't understand is how fast we went from stressful to serious after Ben offered and I said no. You don't find it amazing that it's even possible for people to go from basically no money in savings to having college completely paid for, just by saying yes? I think it would be, if that was the only thing we'd be saying yes to. I'm not like you, Mark. Things don't scare you, which I love. I wish I could be more like that. And it's not like I sit around waiting for the sky to fall each month. I'm, I got used to scraping by, so I'm sorry if I made it sound. But, but we were rich compared to now, and it's hard to tell you how scary that feels when I know it's because of me.、Oh, Sarah, you you have to stop thinking this is your fault. Then whose fault is it? The Madagascar grant paid half my salary, and and until I can promise the school I won't go bananas again. So money's a little tighter now. We're we're a couple of academics. We were never going to be rich. We're not safe. 
We're one terrible thing away Nothing from. Nothing terrible is going to things happen. Things can happen, Mark. Even in your world. Sarah stands, and for the first time, lights come up stage right on what appears to be a hotel room. Ben enters from the off-stage bedroom of this suite. Sarah looks back at Mark for a moment, and he smiles reassuringly. As the lights fade on him, she walks to Ben's room, pausing just outside. As he sits, she enters and sits tensely across from him. They're seen already in progress. The whole point of the money would be not to use it, to just have it there in case. It's not like Mark and I are miles apart. I think your job sounds sleazy too, but if you're mostly just helping one group of corporate dicks get over on another, if you tell him I was here, he'll be upset. But he won't love me any less. You of all people should understand, and after everything you've done, he still. Ben smiles warmly, acknowledging her point as well as her awkward position. Initially disconcerted because she expected a harder time, Sarah begins to relax. One time. The same week our basement flooded, black smoke started pouring out of our furnace, and both of our cars died. By some cosmic whatever, the final savings bond my father left me came due. But if Mark had known that bond got us through, nothing to do with how my father made his money. He's just got a thing about inherited wealth. It's one of his principles. <laughs> It was one of my principles too, until we had children. There's an arms race at the girls' school, but instead of missiles, it's the latest eye thing, and the worst part is the parents are all Quakers or ethical culturists, so it's hard to really hate them. <laughs> Mark still doesn't know the money came from my father, so I'd appreciate. Strange, I just found out you make gobs of money stealing secrets, and this is the first time I've felt like telling you one. You're different. Mark noticed it too. You listen. They are both caught off guard. He by her unexpected generosity in saying this. She by how much it matters to him. As if to keep this disquieting sense of intimacy in check, Ben suddenly turns to business. There are a couple of ways to do this. I suggest regular installments. That way, I don't have to tell you there won't be any sex. Sorry, something about the term regular installments. Why are you being so nice to me? I don't remember being all that nice to you. You never judged me.、Oh, I always judged you. Mark would say, "Deep down, Ben's a really good person," and I'd say, "Based on what? How he's such a shit on the surface?" Mark never judged you. Mark never judges anyone. It doesn't mean he likes me. Well, I judged you plenty, and it didn't mean I liked you either. Of course, he likes you. I did too, sometimes. Well, I wouldn't call it dislike exactly. It was more—I don't know. You made me nervous, so it was hard to tell. They look at each other in silence. As lights on them fade, she walks downstage into concentrated light. The Shona people in Africa tell the story of a woman who had just lain down with her husband, when another man who looked and sounded exactly like him came in and began to insist that he was her husband, 
and that the man in her bed must be an evil spirit, an Ngozi. And unless she drove a stake through his heart before sunrise, he would throw off his human disguise and steal her soul. When she took a moment to consider this, the man in her bed became furious. Didn't their twenty blissful years of marriage mean anything to her? How could she claim to have truly loved him if this impostor's ludicrous imitation? But that was a conversation for later. Right now, she had to figure out who was the impostor. So using all her strength, she grabbed each by the wrist and held on through the night, waiting for a sign. Lights up on both the house and hotel room. Sarah turns back towards Ben, then looks towards Mark, who is reading now. As she suddenly notices the music box, which is still on the table, the treacly song begins to play. As the music box sound becomes louder, it also starts to seem as if amplified through an echo chamber. Gradually, as the sound grows even louder, it is transformed into the powerful, pounding original, until suddenly, both it and lights cut off. End of Act One. Act Two. The sound of a doorbell. Lights come up on the living room. Ben and Mark are near the front door. Ben has recently arrived and is talking excitedly. Mark is wearing a bathrobe and appears to have just been awakened. So I'm in the hotel lobby when this biochemist named Evan runs a small biotech company, starts telling me about a drug he created, cures some rare skin disease that kills kids in Africa. On a more personal note, he... Let's see. Taking out some notes he's written. Married his high school sweetheart. He and Donna have two kids. You mind if I just run through these? I need your honest opinion. About what? It'll only take a minute. It's just not so loud, okay? Everyone else is sleeping. Sorry about the hour. I just... I was just so... He and Donna still keep up with the same childhood friends and meet them every year to go caroling on Christmas Eve. His mother and father are dead, but he drives 30 miles to see her parents twice a week, bring them groceries, whatever needs fixing. Any reactions so far? As in? That's fine, just checking. Doesn't drink or use recreational drugs. Never been sued or arrested an active member of Greenpeace, and Amnesty International since... Can you at least tell me... Get this. He only has $6,300.30 in his savings account, but he still donates 10% every year to the church he attends. How and long were you in the lobby? This is just stuff I picked up in five minutes on the Internet. You found out about the 30 cents by Googling him? Privacy isn't a right. It's a privilege. And someone who uses his wife's birthday for every password hasn't earned it. So, does he sound like a pretty decent, upstanding guy to you? I don't know, Ben. A lot of people help their in-laws and belong to Greenpeace. The average person takes under eight seconds to form a first impression. When they... Yes, he sounds great. What if I bring him over on Friday? Why? He's a family guy in a strange city with nothing to do on a Friday night. What's wrong with tickets to a show? <sighs> Evan needs serious capital to help get his patent through FDA. And I have a client who might want to buy it. I told Evan I can't get into specifics till Saturday. But if he's looking for something to do on Friday... 
How much money can there be in a drug for some rare African disease? And it's not like, what's his, uh, Evan has to steal the patent. He already owns it. So where do you fit in? The point is, when I describe my client's offer, Evan will say no. That's where you come in. No, Ben. Can I finish? He's not coming here. You know how I feel about what you're doing. So for you to show up at 2 in the morning and ask me to help I'm not. you. Remember when you said... I must be choosing people so near the edge. A slight breeze will make them fall. I say we're all just a slight breeze from falling. We've been having this argument for years. We both think we know how people will act when they're really tested. But the only way we'll ever know for sure is to pick some stranger like Evan, who sounds like a pretty decent guy, and test him. So if you could just check with Sarah... I told him she's a fabulous cook. I'll bring Evan over on Friday. And somewhere around the salad, I'll segue into why he should sell his patent. I'll not only pitch him right in front of you, I'll give you equal time to say why it's morally wrong. I win if he sells to me. You win if he won't. What are you talking about? Come on, it'll be fun. I thought you just offer people a room full of money and they give you whatever you want. Why do you need to concoct this elaborate... Once he finds out you tricked him... He won't boy, find he... out because we won't tell him. Not him, not anyone. Not even Sarah. Until we've each had our shot at him. And we know who won. Unbelievable. The whole thing is so outrageous on so many levels, and now you want me... Where did you get the idea? I would lie Listen, to Mark, Sarah. you don't need to get all scoldy and outraged at how dare I... No one's making you take the bet. I'm just offering you a chance. Because here's the thing. This isn't some hypothetical conundrum about... When it's okay to run a train over somebody's head or tell a buddy his girlfriend's a cannibal. This may be the only chance you'll ever get to make a difference in an actual people's lives and find out if anything you've ever written is true. Why are you doing this? Trust me. It'll be fun. Sarah enters from the bedroom slightly disoriented. I thought it was you. Sorry, was I being too loud? No. I was having a dream. Do you know it's almost two? I've been trying to leave, but Mr. Yakety Yak here. Back to bed, both of you. I'll see you on Friday. He exits. What did he want? And nothing. Are you coming back to bed? It wasn't about the money. You mean that offer of his? I didn't think so. Why would he... No, I didn't think he would. So what did he want? I'm tired, Sarah. What's on Friday? He wants to bring someone over to meet us. Another Hillary? When I was 13, I'd have killed to be a Hillary. Yeah, Hillary's never did much for me. I always wanted a Sarah. <laughs> what about a Sarah with bigger tits? <laughs> Mark exits to the bedroom. Sarah lingers for a moment, then follows him. As she exits, lights fade, and the sound of lively conversation begins. When lights come up again, Ben is talking with Evan, a scientist in his mid-thirties. Mark and Sarah return. 
no longer in night attire and clearly engaged in the lively conversation already in progress. Mark begins to shepherd Ben and Evan over to the table while Sarah starts serving the salad. I don't know how many times I've heard that story. This is the first time Job ever made any sense to me. I was sitting next to a philosopher on a plane once, and I made the mistake of telling him I've never understood what semiotics are. And for the next three hours... (laughs) Mark is one of the few philosophers who believes that being clear is a good thing. I don't have to be obscure. I've got tenure. (laughs) (laughs) The other day, my daughter asked me, if a girl in her class had a dog that just died, was it still okay not to invite that girl to her party? Since my daughter would have never even known about the dog if two other girls hadn't been standing near her locker when a third one, and I thought, whoa, whoa, this is getting way too complex. So I drove to Barnes & Noble, found a book on moral philosophy, and I couldn't understand that either. <laughs> <laughs> Top that ginger ale off for you, Evan. Thanks, Ben. Every now and then I'll go, boy, if I had a place to do nothing but think about ideas. But if I ever actually had one, no. Give me a new metabolic pathway to map. A nice homeostatic system. Something with numbers. Ugh, I almost had it. A question about Job. I have a question too. When Satan told God, I bet I can make Job lose faith in you. Why didn't God just say, I already know what Job will do. I'm God, so stop wasting my time. What if even God can't be more than, say, 98% sure? Here he's been bragging how Job is the best this and the most that, the same way tons of dads, until one day their kid is holed up in a stoplight with a thousand rounds of ammo. Job had a wife, didn't he? Yes. I knew it. Why can't I think of her name? Oh, it's driving me crazy. Job's wife. Yes. What was her name? That's what she's called in the Bible. Every man in the story has a name. Eliphaz, so far. She's the only person without one. (laughs) (laughs) I love how quiet men get when I do that. I keep telling Mark she deserves more credit for saying, curse God and die. God and Satan are acting all, I'm the man. No, I'm the man. Job doesn't know what hit him. Someone has to say, listen, God, we had a nice little run back in the day and I was willing to overlook the boils, but now with the running sores and whatnot, my husband still thinks you've got some mysterious purpose, but I am totally on to you. (laughs) Mark, (laughs) if there's any way you could fit that into your book... (laughs) You don't know how unusual it is for me just to sit and talk with people. Ben never talks about his friends. How long have you known each other? Since Tuesday. I need investors for a new drug, and he offered to meet with me. No, that's tomorrow. I think he just wanted to rescue me tonight. I'm sure they both love... There's a disease, Dermadia. And if a child, well, you tell them. They die within a month, but as long as they take this drug within the first... Evan already has the cure. He just needs FDA approval, but leave it to Washington. They want a multi-center study first. Which means setting up facilities in three different countries, teaching doctors to recognize it, paying off local officials. What's your ballpark on the total cost? About $30 million? About that. 
So basically, all Evan needs is one person with as much passion as him and $30 million. If one of these kids in, say, Ethiopia has a grieving billionaire dad, or a rock star who just sold out the Rose Bowl happens to pick up on an old Congolese medical journal, you get the idea. And Ben wants to invest in this. You'll have to ask him. All he told me was his job is finding new ideas. Sarah quickly gathers the salad bowls. We should probably, before the salmon gets cold. Mark? Hmm? Do you want to help me with the salmon before it gets cold? Mark follows her into the kitchen. Ben and Evan's conversation continues inaudibly. Did you know he was bringing one of those people to our house? I promise as soon as they leave, I'll... No, no, right now, because I'm not going to... I can't. He picks up one platter with salmon, another with asparagus, and brings them out to the table. Sarah hesitates and brings in the rice. I was just explaining to Evan. You know the policy, Ben. No shop talk during meals. Mmm, this is delicious. What gives it the... Coriander. Evan takes out a pen and a file card. So when Donna asks me... Silence as he slowly writes, then puts the card in his wallet. And you're an anthropologist. Yes. Well, yes. Do you write books like Mark here? I think there are too many books already. Interesting. People always think their idea is so important. They have to write a book. And then someone else attacks the book, so they have to write another book to defend it. But you you can't keep other people from reading their own jangled thoughts and warped opinions. Excuse me. I, I just need to check. Sarah rushes into the kitchen, trying to slow her breathing. Mark follows. She waves him off. He returns. Is she all right? That's just Sarah. Uh, so what are the foundations telling you? Maybe once the economy. And since we don't have any vital interests where most of these children... God, I hate that term. He stops as Sarah returns. Ben ignores her disapproval. Don't blame Evan. I started it. Evan's phone vibrates. He silences it without looking. Plus, it isn't contagious, so you can't scare people into giving money. And since the kids are all dead within a month, they never rack up the kind of medical bills that... A month can seem pretty long if you're only five and you feel like your skin is on fire. I just want them to appreciate what you're up against. And I haven't even mentioned the biggest problem. It only kills 1,500 kids a year, so there's no way to turn a profit, let alone make people care. Which, aside from Evan... Nobody does. I'm sure what you're calling nobody... Trust me, Pope fucking Francis doesn't care. That's why I'm so excited about our meeting tomorrow. I interviewed a warlord in Jammu once who personally ordered the painful slaughter of 700 sheep a year so he could sell their sperm as an aphrodisiac. Is your point that nobody bothered to stop this because it was only 700 sheep? Probably. No one ever asks if it's morally okay to torture sheep so we can have a better erection. The question is always how many sheep we can torture before we're morally obliged to stop. By the way, does that stuff actually work? The patent on Viagra is about to expire. I need to find that recipe for Donna, so talk to Evan while Ben helps me with dessert. Uh, We're still eating. Ben? Ben picks up a few plates and follows her to the kitchen as Mark and Evan talk inaudibly. Why did you bring him here? 
You were sounding a little uncertain about the money before you left the other day, so I thought if you saw how I earned I'm it— I'm not uncertain. I said no. I was going to. I thought just because he disagrees, and it's not like the money is for me. It's for the girls, so how am I being disloyal? But I would be. I'd be lying to him every second, even if the topic never came up again, which I told you. So where you got the idea that I was uncertain... Having taken a step closer, Ben reaches towards her. What are you... I thought you wanted me to help you. Reaching past her, he starts to open the oven door. No. With her back to the oven, she uses her body to slam it shut. She waits until he backs away, then opens the door herself, grabbing a baking dish with peach cobbler, and slams the door shut again. Struggling to stay calm, she manages to put cobbler neatly onto the first two plates, then virtually dumps some onto the other two. She grabs two, leaving two for Ben to bring in, and enters. Anyway, Evan, I gather you have a problem you think Ben can fix, so getting invited here probably seemed like a positive sign, only now you're confused because the serious stuff was supposed to wait until tomorrow when you wouldn't have philosophers and cultural tribalists carrying on about sheep. But since the cards you've got won't be any better tomorrow, you wish Ben would just say if he'll help you and what he wants in return. Right. It's like trying to sneak the sun past a rooster with this one, Evan. My client, a large pharmaceutical company, has a product, a cream. Very effective, but like any cream for this condition, you have to constantly apply it. Now, finally, after years and billions of dollars, my client has come up with a pill. You take it for a week, the problem is gone forever. The only problem... My client soon discovered, someone else discovered the formula first, owns the patent, and even has the pill. Ben opens an expensive pill case to reveal a single pill. It's for some obscure African disease that affects only 1,500 people a year. Whereas my client wants it to help the millions more whose lives are a living hell because of blotchy skin. At Mark's reaction. Fair point. But if curing acne sounds less high-minded, it should explain the preposterous amount of money he's willing to pay you for the patent. His pill is exactly the same as mine. Too close for him to say it isn't. Incredible. I mean, what are the odds? I'm only guessing, but I would say small. How does this sort of thing work? Your attorney and ours will draft an agreement. So I could still use the patent? I mean, do I lease it back? I didn't know FDA even allows... You'll need to discuss that with your attorney. Discuss what Tom's with a his great attorney. guy, but I doubt he's had much experience with then this. Then find thing. someone who has, because my client won't budge on this. Sorry if I'm being slow, but budge on what? Sarah suddenly stands as if to leave. No, no, keep talking. I'm just... Does anyone want ice cream to go with it? Your client expects me to drop everything I've been doing? Why would you need to? Why would he need to drop what he he's The people been... in legal told my client that if he allows anyone, even Evan, to use the formula for any purpose other than acne, a competitor could claim my client has technically surrendered the right to exclusive proprietary control of the formula. I didn't really follow that, but but he must know some way around it if he expects Evan... Evan's phone begins to vibrate again. He checks this time. It's Donna. 
I usually call around now. Confirming it is, he looks at Mark uncertainly. Uh, if you'd like to call her back... Thank you. It's a lot for Donna when I'm gone. Our bedroom's the second door down the hall, so you can have some privacy. Before you call her. No. Tell your client that... Happily, but I think you should see what you're turning down first. Ben hands Evan a piece of paper. Evan unfolds and stares at it. Then he sets it down and starts to leave. And that's just the money. Placing a letter and brochure in front of Evan. I was going to wait. But if you're calling her now, doesn't Donna deserve... My son's autistic. There's a school. Even if we had the money, it's impossible to... Read the letter. They've never even met Jason. No. But they know who my client is. And you won't just be helping your son. My client wants to create an endowment to provide three full scholarships each year for children of color from families with limited means. And if I could say just one thing about those children you've devoted so many years. How old are you, Evan? I don't know why I'm asking. You're 36. Your entire career has been this one project. I'll bet you have a drawer full of ideas. It's a question of priorities. Evan understands that. Mark looks at Evan, who is listening closely to Ben now. Once you sell that patent to a client like mine, you'll never have to chase after money for projects again. The money will look for you. So if 1500 sounds like too many lives to imagine leaving behind, think about the thousands more you could save. Uh, the only problem with that way of thinking... Evan's phone has the... begun to vibrate again. Answering it quickly this time, he listens with obvious concern. Sorry, it's about my son. Are you at the hospital now? Evan exits to continue the call in the bedroom. Mark looks suspiciously at Ben, who shrugs, indicating that this is news to him too. Sarah turns angrily to Mark. Now explain. I just need two minutes with Ben first. Everyone's clear I had nothing to do with why his kid is in the hospital. I mean, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Outside. Mark. Two minutes. He and Ben exit by the front door. Sarah sits, then stands again, ready to go after them when Evan returns. Jason's doctor needed to speak with her. What happened? Pointing down as if showing Sarah a floor plan. Picture some stairs over here. The basement here, and this is a closet with a large semi-hidden container where I keep my power tools locked for obvious... Well, somehow it... Looking around, suddenly aware they are alone, they just stepped out. I think your husband had a lot more he wanted to say. He always does. I'm sorry about your son. It must be rough. Our minister said, God never gives us more than we can handle. Then he's an idiot. I hope it didn't sound like I was complaining about Jason. He can't help... No, not at all. This is the fifth time Donna had to call the police. If anyone has a right to complain... I'm sorry. I had no business talking about your minister. Not that I haven't had thoughts. Can I tell you something awful? Mark's really the one you should... I could never say this to Donna. But if I had a crystal ball before she got pregnant... I'm sure he won't mind being interrupted once he... You're a woman. Does that make me a terrible person? I used to like it when people would tell us what saints we were for keeping Jason at home, but now they expect us to act like saints all the time. Which may be for Donna, who actually is a saint, but 
Jason is already two inches taller than her, and once he gets stronger, what's going to happen? Please stop saying these things. I'm sorry. Evan hands Sarah the paper with Ben's offer. She stares at it, stunned, before returning it. Do you think I should take it? I just met you. Why are you asking me? My husband has a million opinions. Ask him. I'd like to. He seems honest and kind and a lot smarter than my minister. Mark and Ben return. How is he? The doctor wants him to stay overnight, but Donna decided he needs to be home with her. Look, Evan, I'm sorry for bringing up your son. The worst thing I could do right now is push you into a decision and have you wake up later. Talk it over with Donna. Anyone else in the patent liaison field would call me nuts. But I was noticing you and Mark seem to click. And if you think talking with someone like him, who's got a whole opposite way of thinking, which, you ask me, comes from too much thinking. But if you want someone with a huge heart, who's written more books than my entire family has read. In fact, if you'd find it easier without me. I can drive you back later. It's no trouble at all. Ben suddenly tossles Mark's hair, startling him. Beats me what goes on in there. Oh, how do you like your eggs? Over easy. Breakfast in my room at ten. Sleep well. He exits. Why don't I put on some coffee? Please, you've already... I'm just happy you decided... <laughs> Regular or decaf? I'm fine. We also have tea if you He would... said no. Show Mark what he offered you. The amount shouldn't matter, right? The principle's the same, but I'm sure it's a lot harder to turn this much down. It wouldn't be for you. Some people always know the right thing to do. Uh, if I sound that way, it's my job to... Uh, I spend most of my time thinking about decisions like this, but no one was ever going to die if I made the wrong one, so how hard was my it? My parents mean? knew. I used to watch them and try to imitate. I tell myself, they're grown-ups. When I'm a grown-up, I'll know too. And now you help sick children that no one else cares the enough only reason about. I spent so many months obsessing over which postdoc. Every decent one was gone by the time I applied. Malawi was the last place on earth. I never even heard of Dermadia. But for my first case, he was only three. I knew that's how I was meant to contribute. To science. And it's the science that keeps calling me back, not the children. You said they feel like their skin is on fire. H how do you know that? It doesn't sound like something a three-year-old would say. You know... Because you heard them. That's what makes taking the money so hard. You heard them scream. Okay, I think we're done. You made your point. Now it's time for him to decide. We haven't finished. He needs to talk this through so he can decide. He, he knows what selling the patent can do for his son, but he hasn't had time to think about how he'll feel after he sells it. Once the full impact of what he's done begins and to sink in. And you've said that. So now that he knows what you think, you need to back he off. He wants to know what I think. That's why he First stayed. you tell him it's a hard decision. Then you basically say there's only one choice. How is that any different than what Ben was Is that doing? a serious... <laughs> Look, I'm sorry about tonight, but if you're saying whatever he decides, are you really saying you don't care what he decides? No, that's not what I'm... Could you give me and Mark a couple... No, let him hear. I don't know why Ben brought him. 
I just... I thought he just went after people like that floor wax guy. I agree with you. This isn't right. Then what's your problem? What is she talking... You're way too into this. That's my problem. You don't see how juiced you are. I didn't ask Ben to bring him. Tonight was his idea. I didn't want anything to then do. Then stop trying to help everyone and let Evan go home. How do I do that, Sarah? I didn't ask to be involved, but now I have a chance to stop him, and if I don't even try, I, I can't see any other option. He wants you to think it's your only option. That's his job. Everything you're doing to stop him is exactly what he wants. How could anything I've said... I don't know, but why isn't he with Evan now? If he wants to corrupt Evan, why would Ben leave him alone with a moral philosopher like you? I'll tell you why. <sighs> no, this is good. Ben and I made a bet. He bet you'd sell him the patent. I bet you'd refuse. Evan looks at Sarah. She didn't know. Ben made me promise. He, he made it seem like it was my only option, but <laughs> like you said, that's his job. I'm sorry. I guess it could have been worse. At least you didn't bet against me. If you can reach him, I'd like to tell him he's not getting the patent. You don't want to call Donna and discuss it with her first? Donna would have torn this up and told him to dress light. It'll be hot where he's going. <laughs> then, if I could make one suggestion... Keep your meeting at ten and tell him in person. Mark, what are you... Sarah was right. You know what Ben and I think. Now you need to let all of that settle so when you talk with him tomorrow... The answer will still be no. Then what's the harm in waiting? I'll just feel more comfortable saying it on the phone. With you here. You'll never be completely sure it was your decision unless you see him by yourself and tell him no. Don't do this. Now what's the problem? You told me to back off and let I him know, decide. I know, but he must have known I would do that. I, I don't know how, but he does. As lights fade, Sarah turns to us in concentrated light. That night in Madagascar, after the music woke me and I could feel a stranger's presence, I opened my eyes and saw him at the foot of my bed. His arms were flying, his whole body moving wildly to the music, but his eyes were fastened to mine, and he never stopped smiling. Ask anyone who knows me, I'm the last person they'd ever expect to say this, and I've never told anyone, not even Mark, especially not Mark. But I know the stranger in my room that night was the devil. We slept four to a room, but I was the only one who saw him. I pretended nothing unusual, but after that night, whenever I came across a new, unfamiliar surface, instead of excitement, I'd feel suspicion, as if someone had put it there to hide whatever was underneath. One day while I was staring at the ocean... The mainland, hundreds of miles away, I suddenly realized how far I was from anyone who loved me. And at that exact moment, two people walked by, smiling as they passed me. 
but I couldn't remember if smiling meant something different in Madagascar or how to tell a real smile from the kind and evil spirit. And as everyone began to stare at me, I thought, who are these people? If I'm ever in danger and one of them says, come with me, I'm the only one who can keep you safe. But then another one says, no, trust only me. How will I know which one to trust? And what if I can't trust either? Lights now come up on Ben's hotel room. He is standing just inside where the open door to the hall would be. Sarah walks over, stops just outside, and faces him. I know about the bet. Mark told me. Okay. And Evan won't be selling the patent, so that settles it. You wouldn't rather ask me inside? Ask you what? You tell me. I assume you didn't come here without calling just to say that. Ben steps back, gesturing for her to enter. She abruptly enters the room, then turns to glare at him. What's going on, Ben? You didn't set all that up just to see what Evan would do. Why not? Because that would have been the stupidest bet in the history of ever. I'd be shocked if Evan's ever decided to do anything that Donna didn't basically order him to do. And why did you need me to watch? Like I said... I thought if you saw me doing my job... Except you weren't doing your job. If you were, Evan would have been locked in some room naked with a stripper and told he had five minutes to sign or Donna gets the pictures. And you would have brought over another floor wax guy, not Evan. Paying the girls tuition money with floor wax money is morally weird enough, but kids with their skin on fire? So what were you really... I have dreams, where I'm home with Mark and the girls, and we're enjoying a meal and laughing because Annie has just made a face, and I'm the only one at the table who knows that something terrible is about to happen that'll change our lives and we'll never be happy or safe again. But that's crazy, right? Of course it is, because whatever happens, Mark will still be Mark. He won't lose hope or let me lose hope. And we'll still have two wonderful girls who aren't autistic. I see. Actually, I don't see. We're your friends, Ben. Why are you trying to hurt us? When the girls used to fight... They were always a little scared of going too far because what if they just kept going and couldn't stop? So they needed me to tell them. Stop. I think setting limits is overrated. What if I told you this terrible thing you keep dreaming is real? And you're the only one who can stop it? For the price of a kiss? <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? Just one. But it has to be a real kiss. Except we both know it isn't. Then what if I... Then what if you take off your dress instead? What do you think Mark will say when I tell him you said that? You know, Ben, he's just trying to stir the pot. Now in front of her, he reaches a hand towards one of her breasts. She flinches, but doesn't try to stop him. 
At the last second, he stops, but does not lower his hand. All these years? Tell me it never crossed your mind. When she doesn't answer, he puts his hand on her breast. They're just breasts, Ben. You can find much nicer ones down in the lounge. Maybe I care whose chest they're on. Maybe you care whose wife they're on. She reaches up, takes his hand in hers, holds it in that position a couple of beats, then brings it down to his sides and releases it. She turns to leave. Evan's already been here. He called at five, so I told him to come over. I made him coffee, and he started to cry. Then he yelled at me. Then he asked for a second cup and started telling me his daughter this time. She sounds nice. Then I walked him through the contract, explained what a binding letter of agreement is. And he signed. So, so then, does Mark know? Not yet. How come? You won the bet. I would have thought the moment it was over. Oh. So it isn't over. The bet was just... Tell me. They stare at each other. This time, it is Ben who turns away. Sarah grabs him by the wrist and holds on tightly. How about this? I tell you my entire plan. Give you a chance to stop me. I'll even give you a chance to save those kids. And in return, I'd like to propose a different bed. This one's with you. Lights up on Mark in the house. As Sarah exits, he is finishing a phone call and starting to cross to the hotel room. It'll be okay, Evan. I'm going over there right now. As he enters and begins to speak, Ben turns to him, the scene already in progress. He was confused. I don't know the law, but people must get at least an hour to change their mind, no matter what his lawyer, who wasn't even there, which is another... As Ben points to the signed agreement. Look, he knows he made a mistake, and he's willing to do... Oh, guess who called before you got here? Donna. I think she's religious, unless there's some other Jesus she kept rattling on In about. a way, this is my fault. If I hadn't talked him into coming over here by himself... I said... You're asking me to let your husband out of a signed contract? To set aside my own client's interest? But I haven't heard a single decent reason why I should. How about 1,500 innocent children a year will die if you don't? I said a decent reason. Where there's something in it for me... Ten minutes from now, at exactly eleven, my client will call. Once he hears Evan signed, his lawyers will take over, but for the next, really, nine minutes, we're the only ones who know, and nobody else ever has to. But I would need a really good reason not to tell him. If you have something, just say it. It might have been nice if you brought it up. All right. Who won the bet? I guess you did. You guess? Sorry, I almost forgot we were... 
Obviously, you won. I mean, did Evan totally cave or what? Totally. One more time. Oh, uh, you won the bet. Yes. I just wonder if hearing you say it is enough. Does it seem like enough to you? I think so. I mean, I'm not sure what you're asking. If I'm willing to let him off the hook in return for almost nothing, wouldn't that be like admitting there really is a good person inside me? I might as well be saying you won the bet. Truthfully, getting a spineless tool like Evan to cave. But if you had to choose between saving those kids and whatever you care about most, and you caved, personally, I don't think selling the rights to a drug that might have saved 1,500 kids a year is the same as taking a gun out and shooting them. But you seem to think it is, so... What if I tear up this agreement and, for starters, you tear up your book? What are you... I, I don't understand. In your letter what... to Oxford Press, you'll explain how a recent epiphany made you realize that everything you've ever written about human nature is bullshit. So you can't in good conscience, etc., then you'll send a letter just like it to that prison director and another to that society in London which gave you the big deal award last year. Can you year. just explain to me why? First of all, it's not a big deal award. Philosophers like to give each other prizes. It just sounds – and we all publish books. We teach and publish books. What do you think we do? But if you want me to say my book means a lot to me or the chance my program could get picked up by prisons all around the country, I'm ambitious and vain like everyone else. I don't remember ever saying I wasn't. But if you need me to apologize – Oh, and the last thing is to let your committee chairman know you'll be needing a couple of semesters off to take stock. Sorry. You're the committee chairman, so And how will I, I support us while – You'll think of something – there must be other things you can do besides moral philosophy. Remember telling me how there must be other jobs I was capable so I should quit the only one I knew? How long have you been planning? When I was leaving you messages for a year, were you already... No, that, that, that can't be the only reason you came back. I refuse to... <laughs> Please stop looking at your watch. All right, maybe when you planned it isn't important, but but something must be because I don't know how to make sense oh, out of come anything. come on, Mark. I really don't because we're friends, and and if you're sick of all my advice, so what? You're, you're rude and inconsiderate, but we're friends, and if I have ever, without realizing whatever the hell you think I've done, it can't be so bad you'd want to destroy me because that's exactly what then you'll— Then don't force me to. You can walk away without a scratch. You just have to say you're fine with Evan selling his patent, even though children with a certain incurable disease will never get to take the pill that would have saved them. If it's any consolation, this never occurred to me until after that night I tried to explain. I knew what your first reaction but I honestly thought once I explained how my life made sense to me now... 
and I could use whatever talent I have because I finally knew who I was. But then you didn't even try. Maybe some other time. Right now. No, don't stop. You were finally getting to what this is really. When I think about that night, the way you talked as if you were liberating people, I felt sick. It only hit me later. You were asking me directly for the first time to accept you for who you were, and I was so busy trying to talk you out of it. See, this is what we should be talking about. So we can what, Mark? Whatever it clears up about that night, it won't explain why this is happening now. Nothing will, because the truth is, I'm a prick. A prick, Mark, yes. And I find your complete inability to accept that oddly insulting. If I've learned anything this past year, we're all pricks. Whatever reason, very few people seem to know this simple fact about themselves. I always knew. My only regret is how long I took to embrace it. Some voice in my head, guess who, would always say, No, Ben, this isn't you. Deep down, you're good. It was your voice, Ben. I just wanted you to listen. Uh-huh. So let's go over what'll happen when my client calls. The moment you see me put my hand over the phone and look at you, you'll need to say either yes, as in, yes, I'm taking the deal. Yes, I'm okay with kids dying as long as nothing bad happens to me. Or no, as in, no, I reject the deal. No, I'd rather let you destroy me than hurt a single innocent child. Ben... Please, you won't just be ruining my reputation and costing me my job. You'll be taking everything I still have left to give. That may not seem like much. I just muddle along like everyone else. But every now and then I'll come up with something clear and, and honest. And wherever it comes from, I know that's the best part of me and the chance to share it with other people. Except now I, I won't be able to, right? No, 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 I will be. You'll let me. I just have to go along with something so despicable. I can't, Ben. I don't have a choice, but you do. You can still decide to stop this right now. Uh-huh. The phone rings. Now remember, yes means you've decided to save your own ass. The hell with the kids. No means no deal. Do you need me to repeat that? Listen... Ben... You don't want to get the two things confused and say the wrong one by mistake. It's not too late. You you can always... Ben gives Mark a final look before answering the phone. Hi. Seconds pass. Aware that Mark wants to speak, Ben cups his hand over the phone and looks at him. You, you don't have to go through with this. Ben nods, then uncups his hand, resuming the phone call. No, the patent holder left about an hour ago. Ben covers the phone again and turns back to Mark. You can still change your mind. Ben resumes listening to the caller. Mark becomes appreciably more anxious. When Ben looks at Mark again, it is to signal his client's growing impatience. He wants an answer, Mark. 
What should I say? I don't understand what you're saying. Yes or no, Mark? Can I tell him Evan signed? Sarah suddenly bursts in from the hotel bedroom. Ben hangs up the phone. What the hell? That's it, Ben. You've already... I'll explain. I agreed to wait until Mark decided, and he did. Did what? I didn't hear him do anything. How much longer was I supposed to sit there and let you torture him? Until it was over. It was. You asked him twice. You practically told him what to say the second time, but still, he didn't. Are you satisfied? No. And I wasn't torturing him. I was trying to scare the shit out of... What did you think I'd be doing when we made the bet? I had to bet him. He promised if I did, no matter who won, he would go away. But this time for good. And now that he's lost, he's trying to make it sound You know if... what? Fuck the bet, which I obviously won. He was two seconds away No! From... You don't get to say Mark was two seconds after you tried all your worst shit on him and nothing. Just admit it. There are certain things people like Mark will never do, and he just proved it. How? How do you know I wasn't about to... You haven't asked. I didn't need to ask. I know. How? How do I... I just do. I was terrified. I I'm not even sure what happened, so how can you be... You said it. Before the phone rang, you said it's despicable and you didn't have a choice. I know, but before it rang, I, I still didn't believe he'd go through with it, so how... I know you, Mark. I know the kind of person that you... That's why I'm asking. I, I, I want to believe that I'm that kind of person, and you're the only person who knows me well enough, but if you're going to convince me, you'll have to do better than this, because he thinks I would have let those kids die, and he was with me the whole time while you were hiding behind a door. That's not fair. He made me wait in there. Do you think I liked having to listen he to... He made you wait. Whatever, Mark. That's how it felt. I had to wait until he asked you... Can I tell him Evan signed? It meant if you hadn't given up by then, you were about to. But if you held on ten more seconds, the bet was over. And you won. We won. Then you could come in. But you didn't have to come in. No one was in the room saying you had to, so... Why didn't you wait? I already... Yes, to make him stop torturing me, and besides, you already knew what I'd say. But considering how long you'd already waited... Why not just wait another 10, 20 seconds so you could hear me actually say it? Why are you acting like this? Like I'm not angry with you for waiting so long. I'm, I'm still not sure why you did exactly, but I get that you wanted to help me and it seemed like the only way. Well, what confuses me is why you stopped waiting. That's his bedroom. You haven't even... Didn't you wonder when you saw me come out of it? I know it's his bedroom. You just explained why you were in it, and no, I didn't. I was here before once. I wasn't going to tell you, but after you turned down the money, I decided to take it. And? What do you mean? Did you take it? No. Good. Did you have sex with him? No. I didn't think so, so why are we talking about those things now? I keep asking why you didn't wait, and... All I get back is one evasion after I another. I just don't understand why you're still harping Tell on me the truth! Stop pretending you know when you've got no idea the kind of crazy thoughts I was having. I, 
I'm sure they were just some weird animal reaction, and once I got over it, there's no way I could have gone along with what he... No, I'm sure. I'm, I'm just not completely sure. I can't be, and I, and I certainly didn't prove it because you came in and took away the only chance I'll ever have. So, so don't think asking you why is harping. And since you obviously don't want to tell me the only reason I can... That isn't true. Then what is true? I don't know. I thought I was sure. But when he said he would do something even worse, if I tried to stop him, I got to know men from local militias who were just as cruel. They loved to boast like him about what they would do to their enemies and how no one could stop them. I certainly couldn't. But it wasn't my job to. My only job was to listen to their stories. And they said I listened better than anyone else. Their stories horrified me, too, but I, I wasn't just horrified. I found them riveting, too. I didn't want to feel that, so I tried to pretend their stories were make-believe, like the ones about evil spirits that came for people at night. But I began to have trouble telling the make-believe stories and the real ones apart. So I came home. And, and I was doing better, but then you came back. And once I understood the victims wouldn't be make-believe this time, that, that they were my family, I had to stop you. But I couldn't. I'm not that strong. I don't have enough faith in anything to risk everything for it. But someone has to, or there's no hope for the rest of us. And even if you couldn't say no to him. I promised Sarah I would keep her safe. Now that you've proven I can't, what's she supposed to do? What are either of us... As Mark takes a sudden step towards Ben, Sarah lets out a cry. Mark stops. Maybe you can start by taking that picture in your brain where I'm at the window while you drive away and erase it. Whatever you think you owed me for getting your life instead of mine, we're even now. You're going to tell your client Evan signed, aren't you? I already did. This morning, right after he left. I asked the desk last night to give me a wake-up call on my cell phone at 11. If I blew up a deal that could be worth billions of dollars and my client ever found out I did it to win a bet? No. Patent liaison work depends on trust. Mark puts his arm around Sarah in a consoling gesture, then turns to go. Sarah remains watching him slowly exit. While continuing to watch him, she begins walking towards us, entering a pool of light that becomes brighter and more concentrated as the general lights dim. Once he is actually gone and everything behind her is dark, she turns to us. There are a few special people in every culture who will gladly give you whatever they have and never ask for anything back. There's only one thing they need from you, your absolute faith in them. But you probably wouldn't know that because you've always had so much and given it so freely they've never had to ask. 
and if the two of you can huddle close enough to the fire to keep the dark from finding you, maybe the day will never come when they have to ask for it, and you'll never have to reach inside and realize the reason you can't find it is that it was never there. She remains still for a couple of beats, then seems about to exit when lights come up on the living room. Mark rushes in through the door, holding a stack of file cards. He is clearly trying to restrain his excitement, but without much success. Good. You're here. I was flipping through some of my pages on Job, and I had an idea. You're not still working on that. No. And even if I wanted to take another whack, it would probably take, and I don't mean a few revisions, I'd basically be starting over. And when would I do it? I just agreed to write something for the Kant Symposium. I'm helping three students prepare for their orals. I don't see how it's even possible. But just so I wouldn't forget the idea completely, I wrote a few things down and then... Ah, it's so rough. I'm embarrassed. Yes, I'd love to hear. <laughs> I already have a new title. The Good Bet. Taking out note cards. <clears throat> As the story goes, God was so sure of Job, he bet Satan that Job would remain faithful no matter what. And despite all the miseries God let Satan inflict on Job and his family, Job never denounced God. And for this, God rewarded him with even greater riches, more beautiful daughters, and stronger sons than before. But still, considering all he'd been through, Job must have been a little baffled by God's idea of just compensation. His first daughters had certainly been pretty, if not as pretty. His sons weren't the strongest, but strong enough, and Job had loved them. Did God really expect him to stop grieving just because the new ones were better? If the same God who had given him a life filled with love and meaning could suddenly take it away just to win a bet... How could Job ever trust him again? In which case, who really won the bet? Sarah has gradually moved closer, trying to read over his shoulder. Mark looks at her. Actually, if you wouldn't mind reading this part, I'd like to hear it myself. As he continues to hold the page and Sarah reads, the lighting on them becomes more concentrated. Whether you believe in a literal God or invent hypothetical ones for a living, like me, you have to wonder why any story about a God like that would still interest us after more than 2,000 years. Granted, it's called the story of Job, but Job never gets to do much except suffer. Satan's the most active, then God, but neither ever seems to learn from his mistakes, so how much can they really teach us? If there's any point to the story— the only one who might know it, Sarah looks up at Mark, then continues reading, is Job's wife. Light comes up on Ben. Dressed to kill, he is looking more handsome and vigorous than ever, as he watches Mark and Sarah from just beyond the house. My guess is she'd say, absolute faith is a beautiful thing, but always keep one eye open when you pray. In what could be the greatest story about absolute faith ever written, she's the only one who realized that faith in anything, God, an idea, or someone you love, is always dangerous when it's absolute.
As Sarah finishes reading, the African song begins to play. She looks up at Mark again, holds his gaze for several seconds, then makes a sudden dismissive gesture with her hand, and just as suddenly, the music stops and the lights cut off. End of play. This has been a production of Play for Keeps. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.